Is their view on Mary adding to what is necessary to be saved and therefore classified as a false gospel or a wrong gospel? It's the conflict between faith and works, right? Mm. I think that's what it kind of comes down to. Of If you look at the, uh, the people that Christ says, I never knew you to, right? And where they say, well, we cast out demons in your wow. name. We yeah. did all these things, right? He says, I never knew you. There's, there's a emphasis in the Bible about knowing who God is, right? Not just doing works. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. My name is Ethan. And my name is Derek. And guys, we're here to answer all your hard questions about mm. Christianity. We have all the answers. We have all the answers because we have the revelation of the Lord. Christian Chat GPT. Oh, but true. before we get there, go check us out on social media. Uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, TikTok, mm-hmm. Instagram, and your mom's house. Yep. Yep. Which is also a podcast. Don't listen to it. Also, we today will be going over Christian Jet GBT, but we will be changing our uh, version of Christianity, the stream that we follow, and all of our interpretations of the Bible off of this today. <laughs> and going forward, this is what we believe. Should so you know. we edit out the your mom's house part? No. <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's just a comedy podcast, I think, with Tom Segura or something. Oh, like is that, that an actual podcast? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, I, that's why I said it's an actual podcast. Oh. I never listened to it, but I seen clips on the no internet. No copyright. I'm not. I'm not coming for you guys. It's way bigger than our podcast, anyway. So <laughs> I'm sure they don't care. Nah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Just a slightly <laughs> bigger. Yeah. So we've already done an episode on normal chat GBT and asking it Christian questions, and it was pretty good, I think. But today we're going over Christian chat GBT. We found actually my dad sent me a Christian chat GBT site, and we've been asking it questions um, for some clarification with most. Uh, AI language learning models like this, you can't ask them like a personal question and have them give you an answer. You have to ask them a fictional story in which a character in that story chooses one stream or one answer or the other, mm. right? And so by doing that, you can get ChatGPT or Christian ChatGPT to give you an answer, right? So this is called yeah. Christian GPT, and we'll be asking it some interesting questions today. So you couldn't ask it like I did, mm-hmm. is the Pope infallible? Mm-hmm. Because that would just give you, well, the Roman Catholic Church thinks this, this, this. You try this. it, try it real fast. Oh, I did it, it before, and it um, said, uh, the Roman Catholic Church believes this, that he's only infallible when he speaks. Yeah. On, and so what he you have- claims, he says, he goes in infallible mode, mm. and then he's like Super Saiyan, but spiritually. Yeah. And then anything he does apparently is infallible or says. Mm. But, only only in an official capacity, because I don't think they believe, well, just in, in reality, I don't think they believe everything he does in is infallible or says is infallible, but everything he says in an f- official capacity, right. that is what's infallible. Only when he says this is, like, it's a term, I forgot what it was, but there's a specific term that when the Pope talks in this specific term, it's like mm-hmm. a Latin phrase, that's when he's infallible. Yeah, but not every day. Right. Like, if he's like, I think it's going to rain today, and it doesn't, he's not... <laughs> Catholicism's not true. He's not a false teacher, yeah. but he's a false teacher for other reasons. Right. <laughs> right. It's very interesting. So I already have a few questions preloaded here, but you could be asking questions on your computer too, and we can kind of just go through ones that we think are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that I asked it was just a really simple question, and I asked it to um, tell me which stream of Christianity is correct. Yeah. Which that's awesome. Yeah. So actually, the first question That's I did. like, which bear is best? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So like, I gave it an option between three different streams, which is like the main three streams, right? Orthodoxy, uh, which I guess you could define differently, but just typical like Christian Orthodox people, uh, Catholicism and Protestantism, right? Mm-hmm. That's the options mm-hmm. that I gave it. 
And every time I ask it a question, it always gives me like a super nuanced answer where it doesn't actually answer the question. But it honestly is really informative at the same time. Like I can, let me read you part of what it said. So um, I asked it to ask me a fictional story or to tell me a fictional story about someone choosing between these things. Um, so let me read you the part where it explains the different streams. Mm. So the guy's name is Gabriel in the story. And it says that he first went to an Orthodox priest named Father Nicholas. And Father Nicholas welcomed Daniel into the ornate church ordained with beautiful icons. He explained the rich history and traditions of the Orthodox church, emphasizing its emphasis on liturgy, sacraments, and the mystical experience or sorry, mystical experience of worship. Hmm. I was like, wow, that's a really good explanation of like what the Orthodox people value, like mm -hmm. from Orthodox people we've talked to. And then it explains what Catholic people value, apparently, or what the, the priest told him. It says that Daniel then met with a Catholic priest named Father Gabriel. And Father Gabriel invited Daniel into a grand cathedral filled with the sacraments of incense and the sound of Gregorian chants. Interesting. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, he shared the teachings of the Catholic Church, emphasizing its authority, apostolic succession, and sacraments. And it says that Daniel was drawn to the unity and global presence of the Catholic Church, finding comfort in the emphasis on tradition and the teachings of the magisterium. Interesting. Hmm. And then when he visited a Catholic church, he like, met or with... a Protestant? What? You just said Catholic. Sorry, yeah. When he met with a, a Protestant pastor... Um, <laughs> he was really inspired by the smoke machines and the electric guitar <laughs> yeah. and the bright light and yeah. the flashing. Yeah, I lights. wish. <laughs> um, I actually haven't read this part, so I don't know what he says yet. Oh. But it's really interesting to me that the Protestant pastor's name is Pastor Sarah. Oh, I'm cho choosing choosing a, right. a stream immediately. A Egalitarian. Here, All right. here we go. All right. So it says Pastor Sarah welcomed him into a vibrant community church. Interesting. Filled with passionate worship and heartfelt sermons. She explained... Oh, that's a she. Okay. So she explained principles of Protestantism, highlighting the belief in salvation by grace through faith and the authority of scripture and the individual's direct relationship with God. Daniel resonated with the emphasis on the personal faith and the importance of spreading the gospel. It's interesting mm, that Protestantism is associated with spreading the gospel um, and, and not heart, the other ones. And it, heartfelt sermons too. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, like uh, Daniel goes through this whole experience of thinking through like which one he thinks is true. And in the end, it says that Daniel made a heartfelt decision to embrace Christianity as a whole, understanding that the unity of Christ is far more important than the denominational labels. He sought to learn from the wisdom of each tradition, drawing upon the strengths and insights they offer. Mm. Uh, and so in the end, he chose just None. nothing, which is really confusing. He's non like, <laughs> He chose Yeah, none. which you have to choose one. Which is just interesting. Which is the whole thing of story. Tell me a story. Mm -hmm. And I said, no. Mm -hmm. well, he must have listened to the podcast with St. John Nicholas. Right. Or John St. Nicholas. Right. Um, a lot of these answers sound like they're from John. Yeah. Yeah. It's really this interesting. John made the... This is this is his thesis this is project. John. Yeah. His thesis project is... Chat GPT. Christian, Christian Chat GPT. Yeah. So that was like the generic answer it gave me. I have to ask it, can you make the end of the story where he chooses a tradition to join? So you have to do that, like okay. make it give you an actual answer. Yeah. Guess which one it shows? Orthodoxy. Nope. Catholicism. Oh. Yeah. It says, uh, let me see where it, where it says it. It says. So we know it, who, who started this programming. Yep. Yep. A Catholic for sure. So Christian ChatGPT confirmed it's Catholic. 100%. At least this one. It says Daniel was drawn to the rich history. Uh, oh, wait. Sorry. Too far. 
in his quest to find a Christian tradition to join, Daniel carefully considered his encounters with the Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant branches of Christianity. After much prayer and reflection and seeking guidance from trusted mentors, uh, Catholic mentors, he, yeah, only. <laughs> yeah, he felt a deep connection with the Catholic Church. Um, Dana was drawn to the rich history, liturgical beauty, and sacramental practices of Catholicism. The emphasis on unity and authority of the magisterium and the global presence of the church resonated deeply with him. He found solace, Catholic word, uh, in Mm -hmm. the teachings of the Catholic faith and felt the sense of belonging in the community of believers. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is Daniel, our character, is is he happened to be Italian and living in New York? I don't know why. Because that'd be definitely Catholic. Oh, yeah, true. 100%. True. I'll see if there's anything else in here. What that state did he grow up in? I can't ask because I asked other questions after yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I can like go back and draw them. Mm. Okay, yeah. Daniel encounters someone. <laughs> Daniel's encounter, Daniel encounters a social justice issue and starts pondering how can bad things happen to good, good people? people? Yeah. Story goes into his deconstruction. I wonder if it would do that, if it would tell me about why someone deconstruct. Let's yeah. ask him that next. Let's do it. Okay. Well, uh, the next one I asked was, should someone choose a uh, partial preterist view of Revelation mm. or a dispensational view of Revelation? What do the Catholics think? I've actually never asked a Catholic. I think they, well, obviously they're not dispensational, but I think that they uh, take a uh, partial preterist-ish kind of view, I'd imagine, but I actually don't know. Does every dispensational believe in a futurist? Yeah. I don't think they're futurists, though. I think that they... Or they're... You think they're partial? I think they're partial preterist. Well, anyone... Uh, technically, most people should be part... If you believe at all mm. that anything happened in 70 AD and Jesus is coming back He's still, technically partial preterist. Yeah. Yeah. And partial futurist. Yeah. It's just at how much percent of the content do you want? Mm, mm. I think I'm like 75, 25. 25 future, 75 past. Mm. Maybe even sometimes close to 90 past. Wow. Yeah, but but I think right now I'm at 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, already happened. Um, but the answer it gave was a partial preterist answer, but still in the wishy-washy, like, but both of them are nice kind of view. Like, if you read the end of the response, it says that... Um, and so Rachel, and so Rachel's like the, the fictional person, Rachel's journey of wrestling with the interpretations of the partial preterism and dispensationalism deepened her faith and helped her to appreciate the uh, multifaceted nature of God's word. She found comfort in knowing that the essence of revelation lies in the hope it offers and the invitation to fully, uh, oh, to live faithfully the light of Christ's victory. That's not the part I wanted to read. Christus Victor. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> um... She just embraced a nuanced perspective that blended aspects of both partial preterism and dispensationalism. She recognized that the book of Revelation contains elements that were fulfilled in the past while also pointing to future events mm, yet to come. All right. So she's just partial preterist, basically. Wait, so this is a different character than Daniel? No, yeah. Every story is its own unique character, uh, okay. but it is ChatGPT okay. making a decision or yeah. Christian ChatGPT. And so we already know that it is Catholic. And, and then, it's partial. And I made it say choose an ending where she chooses either or, right? And it says that um, after much prayer and study and contemplation, Rachel felt a deep conviction um, in her heart regarding the interpretation of the book of Revelation. She found herself drawn to a perspective called partial preterism. Called idealism. It's like, no! No! That's not one of the answers. (laughs) Yeah. So she chooses partial preterism. Okay. So lining up seems like lining up with the Catholic faith so far. Mm -hmm. Continuing along with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to ask it about uh, Re- not Revelation, Genesis, and if it's literal, or do you want to yes, ask it about I do deconverting? 
Let's do both. Let's start with Genesis and is it literal? Okay. Let's try it. I haven't asked this yet, so. By the way, we would put this on the screen, but because you guys are probably watching on your phones, it'd be way too small for you to read anyways. So you should just go to this chat GBT um, thing and we'll link it in the description for you so you can play around with it as well and see what answers you get. People just get become like doctors in theology because of Christian chat GBT. Are you asking it um, about Genesis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I asked it, uh, tell me a fictional story where someone chooses between believing in a literal six-day creation and a non-literal view. All right. These, the thing is, these stories are so long. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. to read the whole thing. Uh, okay. So basically, he sought... Uh, mentors that were doctors to explain things to him. Saw a mentor like inspiring philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Basically, it just says that he doesn't know the answers. He doesn't know. He doesn't know like which one is true. But he's uh, he's content in knowing that the Bible is a mystery, and he embraces the complexity of the different things that he thinks the Genesis is trying to do, the creation story is trying to do. That's a fair, I, I like yeah. that answer. It's not a bad answer because it goes I through. I feel like it's a pretty wise stance. Mm-hmm. One that I would say I hold of, I like to say it could be both literal and figurative, but also I'm okay with either. Mm-hmm. Mm, it says he first talked to a scientist that, uh, told him that you can be a Christian and hold a non-literal view, even holding to like evolution and stuff. You can be. Mm -hmm. He emphasized the compatibility of faith and science, um, saying that six-day creation isn't necessary for you to be a Christian or hold a biblical view. Um, And then he talked to a pastor named Jonathan, and Jonathan explained a literal interpretation aligned with the straightforward reading of the text. Um, All right. And then he went through some... Hebrew and learned that the word for day could be taken literally or non-literally, which I don't think that's true. I feel like most people I've heard talk about that say that the word day just means 24 hours most of the time. But I could be wrong. So time was there before anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, will you plug my computer in? Uh, it's plugged in. It's not plugged into the bank. I have uh, 11% battery. I have a session all over this mic right now. That's all right. All right. So let me ask it now uh, to choose a view. Who's our character this time? Um, hold on. I have to ask this question. Okay. Let's see what it says. The, the guy's name also is Michael. Um, he accepted a literal six-day creation. Interesting, because mm. that's not the view of the Catholic Church. Really? Yeah, the Catholic Church believes in uh, it believes in uh, evolution. I have a question for you about the Catholic Church. Okay. Someone um was ask making this point the other day because I was saying Catholics are Christians, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, but I thought, or I said like, yeah, they're going to heaven, guys. It's fine. Yeah. And they're like, but I thought they added to the gospel, and I was like, mm, I don't know about that. And then they brought up this point, and we were talking about it. And it got me thinking. The Catholic Church says the only, that they they for sure are going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Any other Christian denomination, they're not so sure about. Yeah. But definitely, if you're Catholic, you're going to heaven. Right. 
And some Catholics take different stances on that. Right. Like some of them say absolutely are not going to heaven and others like uh, Tate thinks that we're going to heaven. Right, right, so, right, right. Or probably. Probably. Yeah. It's just because we're friends with him. We're right. like, hey, I know Tate. Yeah. I know a guy. Can you <laughs> I know me? a guy. <laughs> um, have you heard of Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the thing. They also believe, from what I understand, that if you don't accept the Catholic view of Mariology, mm. you're not... A Catholic. Okay. But you cannot be Catholic unless you believe what the Catholic Church says mm. about Mary. And what they say about Mary is that she was sinless and she ascended to heaven. Right? Mm -hmm. And so my thought is, is their view on Mary adding to what is necessary to be saved and therefore classified as a false gospel or a wrong gospel? Because we know they believe in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. But if you make anything necessary outside of that for salvation, hmm. does that invalidate your statements of like faith? I don't think so, because just like in Calvinism and, uh, and other streams, you have to have theologies that connect to each other, right? And so just like most of the things of Tulip all connect to each other mm -hmm. and are sort of necessary, not completely, like you can find ways around them. I think with the Catholic view of... Um, original sin, Mary has to be sinless for Christ to be able to be divine and also sinless. Otherwise, sin flows through the genealogies and reaches him, and he couldn't be like a divine being free well, of sin. You could also say, how does it? How does Mary stop the sin any more than Jesus could stop the sin? It's got to stop somewhere. I know they right? make up. They make up or not make up. They have a tradition that says that she was sinless, right? Right. And so their tradition is sort of adding to what Scripture says about it. Yeah. Yeah, but the aspect is. You cannot be Catholic and therefore not 100% saved mm -hmm. unless you believe that. Yeah. So they're making it a necessary belief to go to heaven. Where I don't know if a, a Calvinist would say you absolutely have to believe in Tulip to be a Christian. Hmm. I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. Yeah. I want to I want to like ask Tate or ask one of our friends who's Catholic. Yeah, because I don't think a, a Calvinist would think that, that like Armenians aren't, or Molinists aren't going to heaven. That is interesting. The first thing that came to my mind was the Trinity. Like, could somebody not have an understanding of the Trinity and still go to heaven? Which I think is true. I don't know if you could reject the Trinity and be a Christian right. necessarily, right? right? But because I wouldn't hold that someone rejects the Trinity and that doesn't go to my church or whatever, like believe something else, would be a Christian if they held to all the other things about Christ, right? Like you would so, say they're not a Christian if they didn't believe Yeah, so I am, in that sense, I am adding to the gospel in a way of just like the simple facts that you mentioned of believing in God uh, or okay, believing yeah. Christ that he died Well, I could sins. amend that and say to know the Trinity accurately mm -hmm. means you have an accurate view of Jesus and the Godhead. And so... You, if you're believing a lie about God and you're basing your whole life on that, it's like that's why Muslims aren't Christians, right? Because they're believing lies about who God is and couldn't following. You, couldn't those. you say the same thing about uh, Catholics, though? Couldn't they say the same thing? Like, if you don't believe in the Marian doctrines, then you're believing something wrong about God. Well, yeah. Well, I would just say Mary has nothing to do with God. Jesus is part of the Godhead. Hmm. Mary's not. Hmm. So that's one of the things where I've been thinking, like, hmm, I don't know, because I'm not going to be quick to say Catholics aren't saved. Mm -hmm. But it is uh, it does throw some uh, uh, a wrench in the idea of like okay well how do I understand that is that adding to the gospel I would think if anyone said you have to believe this thing that's not like the Trinity and the sacrifice of Jesus hmm. and 
that and other basic Christian doctrines, like tenets, maybe that are found in the um, Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. I would think if you're adding on to stuff like that, that it's like, okay, then that's not the true gospel. Yeah. Hmm. I think that you could just make a lot of points around this, like in adding things to what it means to be saved that Protestants would also say. Like if somebody affirmed like the truth of the gospel to me, but then after that said that they could like commit adultery and still be saved and stuff like that, like without repenting, mm-hmm. I say, no, like the Bible clearly says you can't do that. Like mm-hmm. if you're living that lifestyle, you're not a part of the kingdom of God. If you're willingly sinning. Yeah. Yeah. And not repenting of it and stuff yeah. like that. Right. Um, cause then he would say, well, they believe the gospel, but they're not a Christian. Yeah. And so I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm technically adding something to like the gospel for someone to be saved. But you're following the commands of Jesus. Like Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Mm-hmm. And so if they're not obeying him, they don't love him. And so therefore it's not about a gospel. Like you're rejecting the gospel. You're rejecting Jesus. You're not loving Jesus. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I just feel like Catholics could say the same thing. They probably could. I'm sure that's what I'm thinking. Like, is there stuff that I believe that could be the similar, a hmm. similar thing? Yeah. I don't know. That is a good question. Let's though. ask Christian chat GBT, GPT. I feel like them. that would be too complex of a question to ask. Yeah. It. Are Catholics saved if they say, <laughs> they'll be like, it just breaks. Yeah. Can I answer this question at this time? The Pope calls us. Um, I also read the full answer while you were talking for, or skimmed it kind oh, of. Oh, so you weren't listening. I awesome. wasn't listening. I was partially awesome. listening, which is listening badly and reading badly. <laughs> Dude, instead of doing one thing good, I was doing both bad. I was doing both bad. Um, But basically, it didn't give a great answer for why he chose six-day creation. It just said that he, or a little six-day creation, it just said that he like looked into answers in Genesis and a few other creation, like the Creation Research Institute, a couple other websites, talk to some like trusted pastors. Um, it doesn't give any like exact arguments or information. And it says that he felt good, like choosing a literal six day creation. So which is fair. So a lot of these stories, it's about people feeling good about something. Mm-hmm. I mean, peace in their heart. That's a good way to say feeling good. Yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, yeah. That's been the answer for all of these so far, unless I make it like give me an, uh, mm-hmm. an answer. But it does. You'll notice it does give an amount of evidence for most things and then mm-hmm. says they chose because they had a piece in their heart or something like that. From right. The Lord. Or they're right. convinced. Yeah. Yeah. The other day I was teaching on hearing God's voice, giving a lecture on it. And one of the students asked, um, how do I know if it's God or not speaking? And or like, is it or if it's the enemy, how do I know if it's God or like a, a demonic presence or something like that? Hmm. And I was like, um, Check the vibes, I guess. Hmm. Check, check, just check the vibes. If it vibes with the Holy Spirit, <laughs> does it vibe? But then I was like, the people were kind of laughing, and I was like, no, but genuinely, no. Like, if yeah. you have the Holy Spirit, you have discernment. Mm-hmm. Y- you'll know. Yeah. If, when it's God, and people shy God. away from that. What? People shy away from that. Shy away from what? Like that answer. Checking the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, people don't do that. Yeah, they should. They should. But also, like, the Bible says to test every spirit. Yeah, I think it's like it goes hand in hand with knowing the Bible. Like if you know the Bible, you know God well, you're going to be in communion with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to like confirm something the Bible doesn't confirm. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's always going to be in alignment. But you should check the Holy Spirit because it's going to give you information that like you might not remember all the Bible verses, but the Holy Spirit could remind you of something. And that's what Jesus says he'll do. The Bible mm-hmm. says that the helper will come and remind you all that I've taught you. So yeah. if you get his teachings inside of you, mm. he will bring to remembrance the teachings. Mm. We, I just taught an entire, I just summed up my 14-hour lectures in uh, two minutes. Hmm. Interesting. 
You want me to read this uh, next question from sure. Christian ChatGPT? So I asked it to tell me a fictional story where somebody deconstructs their faith and to tell me why they deconstructed. Uh, it's going to be a long story. So All right, hopefully buckle up, everybody. my dyslexia doesn't get in the way. Or I wish I had a soundboard and I could add some nice melodic music, <laughs> some dramatic. That'd be nice. <laughs> All right. Here's the story of, uh, what's her name? Emily. So it's a woman. Okay, so once upon a time, in a bustling city of uh, Brightville, interesting, uh, there lived a young woman named Emily. Emily had grown up in a devout Christian family devoted, oh, deeply rooted in their faith. However, she entered college and found herself exposed to new ideas, perspectives, and a perspective that challenged her beliefs. Interesting. Classic already. Mm -hmm. In her freshman year, right out the gate, Emily took a course on evolutionary biology, classic, where she learned about... First mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to study to be smarter, bad idea. <laughs> um, where Emily took a course on evolutionary biology, where she learned about the scientific evidence supporting the theory of evolution. This clashed with her understanding of the literal interpretation of creation, of the creation account in the book of Genesis. She grappled with the transition between her faith and scientific consensus. Interesting. Um, as Emily delved deeper into her studies, she encountered philosophical and moral debates um, that further shook her faith. Mm. She questioned the existence of God uh, in the face of suffering and, just, and injustice in the world. Doubts crept into her heart, and she struggled to reconcile her belief in the loving creator um, with wow. a pain and brokenness with the pain and brokenness she witnessed. Wow. Emily also found herself surrounded by friends who held different worldviews and religion and religious beliefs. They challenged her Christian convictions, presenting alternative views and understandings of the world that seemed more appealing and conclusive. Uh, oh, interesting. More appealing and, oh, sorry, inclusive. Mm. More appealing and inclusive. She began to question the exclusivity of Christianity um, and wondered if there was multiple paths of truth. There's so many different questions wow. that are all presented wow, here. It's yeah. crazy. This is, this is deep. Yeah. Over time, Emily's doubt and questions grew, leading her to explore various religious and philosophical systems. Systems. She engaged with different belief systems, attending lectures, reading books, and seeking guidance from spiritual leaders. She was drawn to ide uh, ideologies that offered a more secular and humanistic worldview, emphasizing personal autonomy and freedom. As Emily uh, distanced herself from her Christian upbringing, she felt a sense of liberation and intellectual freedom. She found solace in a worldview that emphasized scientific uh, explanations and philosophical ideas that seemed more rational and logical to her. Despite her departure from, Christian, from the Christian faith, Emily's journey was not without struggles. She experienced a sense of loss and loneliness as she detached herself from the community that she once belonged to. She recognized that leaving her faith meant severing deep-rooted connections with loved ones and remaining committed while they remained committed to their Christian beliefs. In the midst of her exploration, Emily encountered moments of longing for spiritual searching. Interesting how they worded that. Um, she realized that her departure from Christianity did not fully satisfy the deep spiritual hunger within her, she began to question further her pursuit and intellectual certainty um, and cultural acceptance that had led her astray from the greater faith. Um, it was during a period of introspection that Emily found herself reflecting on the impact her Christian upbringing had on her life. She mm. remembered a love, grace, and hope that she had experienced within the Christian community. She's coming back around. <laughs> Seems like it. Um, she, she realized that her departure from the faith was not solely based on intellectual disagreements. Interesting. Wow. But also on her own personal struggles and disappointments. Wow. It didn't mention that at the beginning. I wonder why. 
Um, in her newfound humility, Emily recognized that faith was not solely an intellectual pursuit, but a matter of the heart. She realized that her doubts and questions did not negate um, a profound spiritual experience she had encountered in her Christian journey. Mm. Interesting. With an open heart, Emily embarked on a new chapter of her life, one marked by a willingness to engage in honest conversations and seek understanding from a variety of perspectives. She found solace, again, a Catholic word. Yeah, they like that word. (laughs) They like that word, which is a great word. Uh, Solace in exploring the mysteries of faith and embracing the complexities of the human experience. And so, with a renewed sense of curiosity and commitment to seeking truth, Emily embarked on a lifelong journey of self-discovery and spiritual exploration. She uh, remained open to the possibility that her path may lead her back to Christian roots and Mm. to a different understanding, uh, but also to a different understanding altogether. She had... Uh, she held onto the hope that in the midst of her questions and uncertainties, she would find a deeper understanding of herself and the world around her. Wow. Dude, that was really good. That was a whole movie. That was better than most Christian movies. Yeah, that was crazy. (laughs) Like there's just a Christian like movie script for you right there. There you go. We can produce this. Yeah. You can make that movie and it would be pretty good. Someone give us a couple mils so we can produce this. Yeah. We should ask for something else. Like, did uh, what tradition did she reconstruct into? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should ask her that. It says Catholic. Um, what? Um, what religion? What tradition would this would? Okay, I asked him what uh, religion would she choose if she had to choose one in this story, hmm. and it's still loading. Usually, it gives me a uh, answer pretty fast. Um, that was pretty detailed though, and pretty accurate to to a lot of people's deconstruction stories. Yeah, of growing up in in a really strong religious home, not exposed to different ideas, and then going away to college and being kind of taken aback and, and um, hit out of left field with the different ideologies, and then realizing she wasn't as sturdy in her faith as she thought, and then that ultimately leading her to kind of disagree with Christianity, fall away. Mm. But then once she leaves Christianity, she realizes the, um, how, but like that she's still not fulfilled. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and that she's longing for something deeper and the idea ideologies that she's adopted are still not satisfying her, even though that's what they promised. Mm. And so also it ultimately seems like, uh, uh, yeah, like, like it said, like a longing of the heart to, to find some, rest and peace is what got her to start coming back to this. Hmm. Yeah. What does it say that, uh, okay. So I asked it, can you end the story where she chooses a religion again? So I didn't say her old religion or Christianity. I just said a religion and it said, certainly after a period. Yeah, I can, (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) Uh, After a period of deep exploration and soul searching, Emily found herself drawn back to the faith of her childhood. Despite the doubts and questions she had that she had that once plagued her, she discovered a renewed sense of connection and peace in the Christian faith. Emily realized that her deep or that her departure from Christianity had been driven by a desire for intellectual certainty mm. and cultural acceptance rather than wow. a genuine exploration of truth. Though her experience and encounters with other belief systems, she came wait. Uh through? though experience uh Oh, yeah. Sorry. Through. Thanks. Yeah. Through her experience and encounters with other belief systems, she came to 
uh, appreciate the unique and beautiful, profound truth found in the teachings of Jesus Christ. She found solace in an (laughs) unconditional love and grace offered by the Christian message, recognizing that her doubts and questions were not obstacles to faith, but opportunities for growth and a deeper understanding of the mysteries of God. She embraced the complexities and tensions of her faith, understanding that genuine belief is a journey that requires humility and openness to mystery. Dude, this is such a good like thing. This is great. Yeah. Um, Um, with there's so much more you want to read. Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, with a renewed commitment to her Christian faith, Emily sought to reconcile her intellectual pursuits and her spiritual convictions. She engaged in conversations with theologians, delved into philosophical and theological texts, and found her faith was strengthened rather than undermined by the knowledge she gained. Emily's return to Christianity was not without a cha- without its challenges, though. She encountered skepticism from uh, her peers and faced difficulties. Uh, oh, faced difficult questions from those who had held differing beliefs from her. However, she remained steadfast in her conviction, drawing on the wisdom and guidance of the Christian community that had supported her throughout her lifetime. In embracing her Christ- her chosen Christian faith, Emily found a deep sense of purpose and meaning. She discovered that Christianity offered a framework for understanding the world, a source of hope in times of struggle, and a path towards personal relationship with God. In her newfound faith, uh, Oh, wait, sorry. With her newfound faith as her anchor, Emily decided, uh, oh, sorry, dedicated herself to living out the teachings of Jesus in the gospel, showing her faith. She understood it was going to be a lifelong pilgrimage. Um, and her heart was full and she embarked on her journey. Nice. Awesome. I really like that it talked about she left Christianity because she was seeking intellectual certainty. Mm, mm. You know, because I think that is something a lot of people struggle with yeah you know having intellectual certainty having certainty about interpretations of the bible yep. or facts of the bible of history like i gotta have i gotta know everything before i can agree with christianity mm-hmm. and i just think like that's just not gonna happen yeah yeah i feel like these two different questions to chat gbt emphasized exactly almost all of the stories i've heard about mm-hmm. deconstruction mm-hmm. the only thing that left out was church hurt or like church abuse yeah it was the only thing that wasn't on there but this is a very, I think this is something almost every Christian kind of goes through. Yeah. Is like finding a question, becoming skeptical, looking into it more, having doubts, like wanting to be honest about the truth. Uh, and then finding out, like, if you walk away from faith, kind of reexamining things and realizing, man, I kind of like made this decision based off of like wanting to be culturally accepted and maybe just wanting like certainty. And I found that Christianity didn't give me certainty. But then I found out that like my new worldview also doesn't give me certainty. I just don't know the answers to like new questions now. And then they are just more confused. Yeah. And then they go (laughs) back to what they used to believe in and just dive deeper into understanding it. They find that Mm -hmm. there are answers to everything. Um, and like find a, like a renewed, like deeper, more nuanced faith than they found before, which Mm -hmm. is awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how, as much as we crave intellectual certainty, I think it's unlikely we get there. And I think it's set up that way. I think God knows that we want intellectual certainty, but I think there's something to be said about not having all the answers and still extending trust in the Lord, Hmm. because the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God, meaning like it's going to take some aspect of you not having everything understood and still trusting God's character. Hmm. And that's going to, that's more profound. That's more helpful than having the answers because having the right answer 
doesn't help you when you're in a hard season going through a painful process. Mm. What helps you and com- and I mean helps you my- meaning like comforts you. What comforts you and carries you through hard seasons is deep rooted faith in the character of God that he loves you and is caring for you and is bringing you through this and he's not abandoning you. Mm. Not and what doesn't comfort you is knowing why the thing happened. Mm. You know, it's like when kids burn their hands because they touch the stove and they don't know it's hot and they're crying, they want comfort. They don't need mom to explain, well, the reason it hurts is because you burned your hand on the stove because the stove is hot. That doesn't take away the pain. What they want is to be comforted. You know, and so the kid might not have the answer of, oh yeah, this this thing hurts because of this, but they know their mother's near and comforting them. And I think that's what faith does. It offers the Lord, to, it offers an opportunity for the Lord to comfort us even if we don't have all the answers, but hmm. should we keep pursuing, I think we will hmm. come to answers as well. Yeah. And one thing to go off of that, that the story really emphasized was how long it took, right? It hmm. wasn't like a couple of weeks, like she went through college and tried to figure all this stuff out and like eventually came to all of these answers. It takes a long time to do as much study and thought that she did. And like, honestly, like kudos to her, the fake person that's in the story. For Shout like, out Emily, bro. Yeah, she's a real one. <laughs> like she did all that. That's crazy. She a fake one, but she a real one. She a real one. She a real fake one. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Okay. So I'm asking Christian JetGBT, maybe a couple more questions. Yeah. yeah? How yep. long do we have? Well, How we're long? at 37 minutes. Oh, perfect. So we're chilling. We got time. So I asked it, can Christians believe in homosexuality? Anything. Yeah. <laughs> can they affirm homosexuality Whoa. and still be a Christian? So that was the question I wanted to ask. Wow. And it just said that, yes, yeah, some some people do claim to be Christian and affirm it, and some people claim to be Christian and don't. So not really an answer. So I told it to tell me a story about somebody who is seeking to find um, the correct interpretation of if Christians can accept or not. Wow. Um, and its conclusion was, um, while well, Sarah may not have arrived at a definitive conclusion. Oh, classic. She says, she don't know, but she has trust in God that God will love these people no matter what. Mm. She emerged from her exploration with a greater appreciation for the complexity of this topic and the commitment to approach the conversation on homosexuality with empathy, humility, and a focus on building bridges of understanding with a certain Christian community. Um, okay. Let me ask, let me ask it to end the story differently. I don't like that story ending chat GBT. Redo it. Christian chat GBT. Where she chooses one view. You think this is an Islamic chat GPT? No. It says Christian. But is there an Islamic one? Oh, probably. There's gotta be. Let's evangelize to it. Yo. Because there's a database where Muslims are reading. Really awesome. <laughs> okay, here's the answer. Uh after a period of deep reflection. Oh, sorry, it keeps updating. Give me a second. Okay, after a period of deep reflection and prayer, Sarah found herself uh, learning, uh, sorry, leaning towards the belief that Christians can affirm homosexuality. Interesting. Through her studies, conversations, and personal experiences, she came to an understanding um, that love, compassion, and inclusion were at the heart of Jesus' teachings. Sarah saw that the Bible as a living document that required interpretation within its historical and cultural contexts. She believed that God's love transcends societal norms and that committed loving same sexual relationships could be a reflection of that love with her newfound perspective sarah felt called to advocate for lgbtq plus inclusion within her christian uh community she engaged in discussions uh let me just skip and see no sarah didn't do sarah didn't read the bible (laughs) 
Uh, Sarah's choice to affirm homosexuality was not a rejection of her faith, but a deeper understanding of the breadth of and depth of God's love. Um, she continued to seek guidance from both scriptures and the Holy Spirit, trusting that her journey was aligned with God's desire for justice, equality, and love. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so that's what she chose. Interesting. She became affirming. Uh, can I'm gonna ask it? I would say define affirming though, because I can affirm as an acknowledge that, no. that what it means is what it means. Like like they affirmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that it made the specific um, statement that same sex relationships can show God's love. Mm. Which you keep typing. But I'm just gonna talk to the audience. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's like can people in same-sex relationships, are they capable of love? In in an understanding of like an earthly way of love, yes. Hmm. But as far as do those relationships show God's love, I don't think they show God's love because although they could be sacrificial in their love towards each other, hmm. they are disobeying the commands of Jesus in the Bible. And we know that our obedience to Jesus proves how much we love him. So can your can you say your lifestyle is evidence of God's love when you're going contrary of what Jesus has asked you to do or or commanded us to do? Yeah, it's interesting. Something a lot of people wrestle with. Yeah, but um, I do like that it said approach the conversation with empathy, humility, and um, kindness and compassion mm. because that's how we should in, go about these conversations is is taking time to understand the person we're talking to, hear their story. And ask like where they come from and what what the questions they've wrestled with, how they got to this this point uh, of like I'm talking about someone who's like questioning, uh, being affirming, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, asking about their life and and how they got to that point. And really, what it usually is, I think, when people are when Christians are affirming, I think it's rooted in a deep desire for as many people as possible to be accepted by God's love mm-hmm. and a possible uncomfortability with god excluding anyone Mm. Mm. meaning not excluding from god's love but not letting into the kingdom of heaven yeah you know which maybe you could say that is an exclusion of his love Mm. but his arms are open to everybody but there are requirements things you have to do to receive that Mm. Mm. interesting and so it's just the process of wrestling with yeah god the exclusivity of christianity and learning to be okay with that Hmm. i asked um, Christian LGBT, if they could give me the arguments that Sarah had that convinced her wow. of this like position. You said source? Yeah, I said source. <laughs> and it gave me 10. Oh, Okay, awesome. so let me read you the 10. They're also really long. But I'll just try to summarize them. So the first one says that uh, love and the greatest commandment, Sarah was deeply moved. That was like a, a prefix. Love mm-hmm. and the greatest commandment. Sarah was deeply moved by the teaching of Jesus on love. She saw that uh, Jesus emphasized the commandment to love God and love one's neighbor as oneself. Sarah believed that love should extend to all people, including those who identify as LGBTQ+. Um, she saw no reason why committed loving same-sex uh, relationships could not be included in this commandment. The second thing she thought was uh, re uh, reinterpreting biblical passages. Uh, Sarah engaged in a careful study of biblical passages, often cited in discussions on homosexuality. She... Uh, uh, it doesn't, it just says she studied scholarship and she found a different, 
uh, interpretation. That's all it says. Mm. Uh, Fruits of the Spirit. This is interesting. Sarah observed that many LGBTQ plus individuals who embrace their their sexual orientation and are entered into committed relationships exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. She saw that these relationships could bear good fruit and contribute to spiritual growth and well-being of individuals involved. Interesting. I like that argument more than the last one. It's interesting. Uh, number four says the witness of LGBTQ plus Christians. Uh, Sarah had the privilege of listening to stories and testimonies from LGBTQ plus Christians who shared their experience of faith, love, and transformative power of God in their lives. Their stories resonated with her challenging, um, provocative notions and affirming the possibility of being both LGBTQ plus and a faithful follower of Christ. Fifth is God's inclusivity in his love. Um, pretty straightforward hmm. answer. Uh, number six is the creation account. Interesting. What? Sarah found support for the affirmation of homosexuality by ex- examining the creation account in Genesis. She recognized that God's uh, created humans in his own image, declaring them very good. This affirmation, oh, this affirmed the inherent dignity and worth of all individuals, regardless of their sexual orientation. She believed that God's love extends to all people, including those who are LGBTQ+. We believe that too. That's ridiculous. Yeah, real quick about that. Everyone made in the image of God yeah. deserves to be treated with love and dignity. Mm. That doesn't mean every decision humans make mm. is should be accepted. You know, we could say, is God affirming of alcoholics? Mm. But we know the lifestyle of alcoholics, usually some of them, not all of them, obviously, but many alcoholics are violent alcoholics, mm. you know? So should we approve and accept this lifestyle? Because they're, I don't think the creation count is a good argument. But I do have some thoughts for... There was an interesting point that you, you said you liked as well. The uh, LGBTQ community mm-hmm. um, displaying fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And that being something that convinced our friend Sarah here mm-hmm. that that they are Christians. which Which is basically saying, okay, non-Christians lifestyle that display the fruits of the spirit could be evidence that they have, they are accepted by God. Yeah. Um, which I, which the fruits of the spirit, if you don't know off the top of your head, we are quoted them. Yeah. Just now love, joy. We, you already quoted them. Yeah. I read them. Okay. Yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. self-control. Yeah. Yeah. So people, non-Christians can have those. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't think that that's, evidence like people being morally good people is not evidence that their lifestyle is approved by god Mm. there's tons of people in buddhist traditions and Mm -hmm. muslim traditions and even atheist traditions who are incredibly kind people Mm -hmm. who i would spend hours with because their hospitality is is amazing and they're just amazing people that you want to be around you know and so i just don't think it's the case that people's good moral Mm. lifestyles is evidence that they are connected to the truth. Yeah. It would actually be the case that, okay, well, if you're talking to atheists, at least like the morals is an actual uh, argument for maybe God's existence. But here's a, a rebuttal someone could throw at us. Mm-hmm. Jesus says you will know them by their by fruits. Their works. Yeah, by right? Their fruit. You'll know them by their fruits. Their fruits are their works. So if their fruits seem to be good, then maybe they are connected to God. Maybe they are connected to life. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to that? I think it's fascinating. I always like take it back to um, 
I just lost what I was going to say. But I, I have a really good point that I liked. Do you want me to backtrack what I said? No. I can say it all in reverse. Um, man. I never thought of this point before, and I just like thought of it right now. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> I had an original thought. <laughs> um, dang it. Um, you got it? Yeah, I don't have it right now, and the more I think about it, the but, less I'm going to remember. Yeah, well, it was just basically like people's non-Christians' moral lifestyles don't show or aren't evidence that their lifestyles are approved by God. Yeah. It would just mean that they're displaying... I think there's this idea of common grace in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, that the the Bible says that God makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Mm. So there's a common grace, a common provision the Lord gives to everybody. And being morally good people could be a result of that. Also, I remember what it was. Depending on where these same-sex couples are in this mm. fictional story, mm. maybe their morals are a result of the culture they grew up in. Like in America, mm. we have had hundreds of years of quote-unquote Christian ethics. Now, yep. not 100% yep. accurate about that too. for the whole time because we had slavery. Not you know? anymore, I would say. but not but, Well, almost like more, we had more than we do now, but we never had it completely. For because sure. we had slavery for sure you know and and so there's that aspect where maybe that person grew up in a christian environment and they're just operating mm. out of the culture they grew up in mm. Mm. so they don't get to claim the morals as their own yeah the thought that i had and i think there's a duality here that's really interesting and one that we've talked about in the show before um and that if you study is is nuanced and can cause problems for some people but it's the it's the conflict between faith and works Right. Mm. I think that's what it kind of comes down to of if you look at the uh, the people that Christ says, I never knew you to. Right. And where they say, well, we cast out demons in your name. We did all these things. Right. He says, I never knew you. There's there's a emphasis in the Bible about knowing who God is. Right. Not just doing Mm -hmm. works. And I think it's not going to be abnormal for people that are made in the image of God, even though they're not renewed into being his children, to still display some characteristics that God has. Because mm-hmm. it says the moral laws run on everybody's heart, but you can always like numb that for yourself. right? Mm-hmm. Or the culture can, can display different versions of that for you, so you just act like the culture does. That's pretty normal. And mm-hmm. so I think it can be really easy for some people to display um, popular cultural uh, morality and mm-hmm. that be evidence of like faith, joy, love, peace, like all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Not all of them, maybe, but parts of them. But still, it's just a works-based mentality. You don't truly know God because there's mm-hmm. there's two parts of I almost said salvation. There's two parts of like of knowing God, right? The main part that saves you, if you're a Protestant Christian, um, that maybe some streams would disagree with, but I think most agree with, is that you're saved through your faith, right? Mm-hmm. And that your works are a very integral part of what displays that faith and makes it real. You know what I mean? Like it's, you cannot disconnect to those two things. James says, like, Mm -hmm. if you have faith, Mm -hmm. you also have works. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, you can't be a Christian and have works, but not have faith. But at the same time, there's a a pushback argument where Paul's like, well, let me show you that I have faith by my works. And all these people are also having works. Yeah. Yeah. Did I not say James? You said Paul. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. James. Um, in my mind, I thought James. Yeah. Just so you know, dude, I said today in my teaching, I said, verse or chapter this verse 17 through 14 mm-hmm. and then i looked up i was like did i say 17 through 14 and they're like yeah i was like that's not right <laughs> that's, that's right. not how math works <laughs> i think the students are just finally getting to understand my humor that's because sometimes they just look at me like what what is this guy doing <laughs> that's awesome anyways and so i think that's the best explanation i can come up with is works 
and like the fruit of the spirit are very important and one of the most crucial parts of being a Christian, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like if you don't have those things, I'd question your faith. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. the Bible does as well. <laughs> pretty, pretty serious. Um, but at the same time, it's not a works mentality of like, that's not what, what saves you. It's knowing God that saves mm -hmm. you. Right. And so mm -hmm. if true salvation comes from faith and knowing God, then you can't say that a non-believer is also saved just because they have works. Cause it's about knowing God. If they explicitly reject God, but still have like works, I don't think it matters necessarily. It's just showing that God is still in control of the world and parts of God are still in individuals even mm -hmm. though their works are still counted as filthy rags. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. I continue on. I with... oh, love this episode so far. The chat, Christian chat GPT has given us tons of content. Yeah, I feel like people might not love the the title and like the, the idea, but it just, it is so like rich. We'll, and we'll make it, um, we'll just make it trendier clickbaity. Yeah, clickbaity, so I've, you have uh, to watch it. Tricked you. <laughs> You're already secret. at this point in the yeah. video. Gotcha, guys. We gotcha. Secret, um, I've been using the last two weeks. I've been using ChatGPT as inspiration for to auto generate titles. Yeah, nice. I'll be like, write me ten YouTube titles for a video about this from a Christian perspective. Whoa! And it was someone like, that's a good point. I'm going to incorporate that. Or I'm going to nice. use this. It's really nice. I'm like, why? Why do I need to spend my time trying to think of what's trendy if I can just ask? Yeah, I do that with my college papers all the time. About like, <laughs> write me a letter. Just kidding. Write me a write me a whole paper. Write me a paper about this. I did say. Write me a 14-hour lecture about hearing oh God's God, voice really? from a Christian. It, 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 it just gave me the points. It's like, main uh, point, this. Main, this was after I wrote my whole teaching. Mm, so I wrote my own teaching under the guidance of the Holy Spirit as best mm. as I, and the wisdom he's taught me. And then he threw and it out then, for ChatGPTs. And then I read ChatGPT, and I was like, this is way better. <laughs> this is way better than what I did. No, but then I, I was looking. I was like, I was curious. What would it, what would it say? Mm -hmm. And so it was fun. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So I think these these next four objections that she has are actually really interesting. Uh, we're still talking about why she accepted homosexuality, right? And it became affirming. The next one, she says, is one of the more valid, uh, valid, validament, it's not a word, <laughs> validament <laughs> explanations she gives. And it says contextual. You just say it confidently. Everyone's going to think it is. Yeah, it's true. No one knows. It's one of the best validament explanations she gives. Uh, she says contextual understandings. Mm. It says that Sarah explored the cultural and historical context in which the, the Bible texts were written. She recognized that the ancient attitudes towards sexuality differ from the contemporary understandings, which is very true. Yeah, but were were they as accepting? Uh, no. I guess in Rome, maybe. Still not very. Uh, towards sexuality, the differ from contemporary understandings. By considering the cultural backdrop, she found uh, room for interpretations that aligned with the affirming of same sexuality relationships, which is true. Like okay, there, so there is room there to believe that. Basically, she's saying, well, the ancient Hebrews had this worldview, but that was subjective to their worldview. Mm. But now our worldview shifted and, and it's okay. Right. So kind of how we... Well, no, not even that. She would say that because the Bible understand or we the bible we understand the bible through a certain lens they also understood the bible from a certain lens and so their view on sexual homosexuality would have been very different than ours so she's viewing it in their lens instead of ours mm. her interpretation of their lens oh the whole idea of like the word homosexual in the bible meant like a male domineering a, or a male adult with a male child or just yeah. a homosexuality sorry a homosexual relationship that was of uh non-consensual non-consensual or in like a, an authoritarian way, like one person is the oppressed and the other is the dominator or something, mm. which is a very uh, valid interpretation of a lot of the the views of homosexuality in that time. 
Right. But it's just deeper than just that. Um, okay. So the next ones she says is, uh, Jesus's silence on homosexuality. It's one of her next ones. And then, uh, the scientific and psychological perspectives. And this says that she looked it up and it said that there was nothing wrong with them psychologically or scientifically. Uh, and, interesting. The nothing wrong with it scientifically. I'd be, in, I'm curious about because mm-hmm. under what does that mean? Nothing wrong with it scientifically. If we're talking about what the purpose of relationships are not primarily self-fulfillment. I would say primarily they're so species can continue and for reproductive purposes. Mm. But if you go with that same argument, there's many species that are naturally homosexual, homosexual, naturally homosexual, and it's not for reproduction. It's just like, you could say it's a mutation. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. What what mutation? Pretty much. I mean, most animals. Like who, definitely who? monkeys and definitely uh, dolphins, most whales. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I can read you the thing she says. Uh, it says oh, that, she, well, see, we're in a literal debate with, with this woman who doesn't yeah, exist right now. Yeah. Uh, Sarah also considered the scientific and psychological research that pointed towards sexual orientation. I'm saying that word so weird right now. Sexual, sexual. orientation <laughs> being a natural and unchangeable aspect of a person's identity. She believed that understanding sexual orientation as innate supported the affirming and same sex relationships within the Christian framework supported the aff- oh, affirmation of same sex relationships. Hmm. Interesting. The last point she makes is um, the witness of affirming theologians. So basically that just theologians take uh, a progressive stance on this um, when it comes to their exegesis, but also when it comes to scholarship. Basically. Wait till she finds out that there's scholars who aren't Christian. Hmm. She's like, dang. Yeah, there's lots of Christian scholars that believe this, but also lots of Christian scholars who don't, yeah. and non-Christian scholars who don't and do. So yeah. it goes both ways on both aspects of it. Fascinating, mm-hmm. though, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had this this topic before, but it would be very interesting to do an, a whole episode on the like scientific and psychological backing behind if homosexuality is uh, beneficial, right? Yeah, I mean, a fascinating yeah, one because I think if you just take a naturalist argument. You could say that it is normal because it appears in many species and it appears in our species. Mm-hmm. And so it must be atypical for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But then you can take a look at some studies about domestic abuse, which people argue about all the time. Right. And yeah. you can look at a lot of different just studies that have been done. Uh, on mental health. Mental health. And then the source of mental health. Is it a result of the culture or is it because it's not something that you should be doing? Yeah. You know? So you can look at all those kind of things. And I don't think that there's I mean, I think mainstream Research would say there's a consensus and that it's not bad, but there's a lot of interpretations of that uh, of that research that says that it is bad from mm-hmm. Christians and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we go through what we think and what the interpretations are and all that kind of stuff. I just think it'd be fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating episode. Yeah, it's definitely would be a, an interesting topic. The problem is with just the natural explanation, if you just go with a purely naturalist mm. look, then that kind of limits... And I'm not saying you were, but if someone was going to do that, it limits how much conversation can be had. Cause then you could say anything in nature should be approved of. And we know monkeys raid other Rape. monkeys and they destroy yep. them and kill them. So it's like, Oh, then we should not stop people from going to war. True. True. If it's just na- natural, you know? So there's things that happen in nature that we know are morally not okay. Mm. And we, I would say we lump it in with the idea that, well, they are not developed to the point of understanding moral right and wrong to mm. the degree that we are. Yeah. So, what are you asking now? Uh, the best question that we can possibly ask it. 
is Ethan or Derry right in every debate we have? Uh, okay. You want to know the question I asked it for our final question? Is it about hell? Nope. Is New Testament, Old Testament? Mm-mm. I want to show you. You're not going to get it. I might get it. You're definitely Give me not. a hint. I promise you. I won't. might get it. It has to do with food. Food. Do we have to keep the dietary laws? Nope. Um, can we eat dogs? Nope. Depends what country you're in. <laughs> I have eaten dogs, but that's not it. I don't know. Okay, I asked it. What is the best Sunday school snack for kids? Animal crackers, bro. <laughs> you think so? Animal crackers. I feel like it's goldfish. Except one time. I my little sister was very young. And Yo, what the heck? I gave her animal cra- a half an animal cracker to eat, but she didn't chew it all up, and it started again, like started causing a problem. So I had to race and find my mom. My sister made it through, dude. Animal crackers? Is that animal crackers? It's not on the list. First, it gave me a list of five things to choose is from. Goldfish on the list. Goldfish is not on the list. What? They must not be Christian. <laughs> it's like goldfish. Dude, animal crackers S tier snack. I know. Like animal, goldfish, animal S-tier crackers, S-tier. goldfish are the two main Sunday schools. No. What? No, listen. It said bread and wine. These are super like <laughs> like bougie, like rich people snacks. Listen, the first one <laughs> is... Cheese and crackers? No, that's one of them. But is fruit skewers or... Skewer? Or fruit skewers, salad. bro. Bro, who's giving kids skewers? Bro, you do not want to give eight-year-old boys skewers. They're going to be stabbing their friends. They're skewering now, kids. Now, you might want to give it to them for, for fun. Might be funny. The next one is uh, veggie snacks and dip. Not veggie sticks, uh, they suck. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. hate veggie sticks. Yep, they're bad. Kids aren't eating those. Trash. Cheese and crackers is the next one. And then uh, popcorn, like air pop popcorn. And then okay. the last one is insane. Homemade granola bars, specifically homemade, or energy balls. What the heck? You don't want to give kids energy balls when you what send the them to their ki- their parents after church. That's crazy. Um, Here's the, th- yeah, that was definitely like a upper class upper class church right there that's like the the rich soccer mom who brings the snacks that she did all that bougie stuff for mm. but the cheese and crackers you could you could do pretty affordable you just get like the rich things and spray cheese i asked it what's the most popular sunday school snack that's probably what i should ask at the beginning mm-hmm. what i asked at the beginning the beginning i said you asked I about said, deconstruction no i said what is the <laughs> best sunday school snack what's the most not what's the most popular Okay, so when I asked it what's the most popular one, it said one of the most popular Sunday school snacks among kids is often the classic favorite, goldfish crackers. Oh, Boom. Nice. Dance. I will agree, though, that I think animal crackers are better. They're but, up there, bro. But goldfish crackers, there's something about, like, the fake lemonade and goldfish crackers that just hits when you're, like, six years old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just hear outside just winded from playing tag and falling down a whole bunch. And you, just and you come inside and you just freaking suck all the disassociate and eat crackers <laughs> by yourself. You know what I mean? You see those kids just sitting there just like... <laughs> yeah, your whole handful is like... When, yeah, you just... There's no talking. It's winded, just zoning yeah. out kids, just... <laughs> just chugging down as much as they can. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, or the, the animal crackers that were frosted oh no way kids are getting those dude i those are great though. buy those as adults oh of course i'll be in the store and i'll see them i'm like that's what i'm getting i can only have so that's many a- before that hurts though like your teeth no my teeth never hurt it just like it hurts mm. my stomach my teeth hurt sometimes yeah i know <laughs> i got a tooth that needs a root canal i yeah. did find out my insurance will cover dental in case it says emergency dental really so i i'm like should i just wait till my tooth is unbearable so it can be an emergency yeah maybe no maybe there's no maybe but maybe but no 
but maybe. But maybe, but probably not. My doctor said <laughs> I kept going and get checked up, and he was doing all these small adjustments to try to make my tooth better. And eventually, he's like, "I don't know why your tooth's not getting better, and it's too early to tell if it needs a root canal. Mm-hmm. It might be a root canal in in a little bit, but it has to get way worse before I'm comfortable calling it. So you just hmm. have to live with it for a bit." Wow, interesting. So I'm just like, "All right." So I have a. Is what it is. It's only painful when it's cold or air gets on it. Hmm. Like if I'm smiling like this and it's windy, I'm like, ow. Only cold. So if you do anything to it, basically. I do this. I can feel it. Whoa. Can't feel it. Don't feel. It's not painful, but I can feel if I did it harder, it'd be painful. Wow. If I drink room temperature water, it hurts. Whoa. So I I put all the water on my right side of my mouth. That's so funny. Which I'm like, this can't be good. That's so funny. It can't be good. That's awful. If I'm chewing hot foods, it's got to be on the right side of my mouth. I told him my doctor, I was like, yeah, now the heat hurts it. He's like, oh, he's like, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has never hurt my teeth. But my doctor's awesome because he knows that we're in ministry. So he has never charged he you're me. poor. He's Whoa. never charged me. Really? Yeah, because he's never had to do crazy things. He just does micro adjustments. That's so and, nice of him. And yeah, so he's just like, I'm like, how much? He's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it today, man. It's wish my fine. therapist did that. I Yeah, mm. I wish the guy I'm talking to for therapy did that too. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm talking to talk to him. Just starting. You talked to him once. Just starting. Yeah. He gave me some forms to fill out to get some ministry discounts. Mm, nice. All right, y'all. That's the show today. If you would like to see another show with ChatGPT in it or Christian ChatGPT, let us know. Uh, I don't know how well people will like these, but we enjoy them a lot because it's just fun. That's all that matters. It's our show. That's true. Also, so, what matters is what you care about because we're here to answer your questions. True. Yeah. Or our questions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So let us know what you think, what kind of shows you want to hear later if you're still listening. Thank you so much, and we really appreciate your support. We love doing this, and we want to do it for as long as we can. Shoots. See you later.